Hello everyone and welcome to episode 120 of the History Hotline. My name is Deanna Lincook and as always I'll be your host today. And today's episode is all about Mary Prince. It's also the first episode in Black History Month, which, as you know, doesn't mean much around here when we do these histories week in, week out. However, the theme of this year's Black History Month is saluting our sisters. And I thought it would be not necessarily something different, something we haven't done on here before, but I thought it would be important to actually speak about some of these trailblazing women within Black British history that have really shaped so much of kind of our lives today as black women in this country but also for the greater good of society as a whole Um, and when we're thinking about Mary Prince we're thinking of her life um, as an enslaved woman um, finding her freedom and then you know reaching back down to make sure that other people could also have their freedom afterwards by working with abolitionists um, and working within the anti-slavery movement um, to really push forward for the abolition of enslavement and freedom for those that were living their life out in bondage. Now, with this theme, saluting our sisters, um, I decided on Twitter I was going to do, like, not a thread, um, but each day I was going to showcase um, a woman of of historical influence um, or position within Black British history, or not necessarily them being Black British themselves, but working within um, liberation movements and movements of racial justice in Britain and kind of connecting. We know that movements of racial justice are transnational. They happen globally on a very large scale, but I wanted to highlight some of those women that would kind of fall into the discipline of Black British history, because I still think we're in a place where we are still turning to America. I've seen so many posts on Rosa Parks um, in this October British Black History Month, and Rosa Parks has done great work, phenomenal woman, um, and very important to the civil rights movement. However, she's not so important in the grand scheme of things when we've got so many other women that we don't speak about and we don't hear about and we don't tell their stories. Um, and unfortunately, we don't really have much time within Black History Month. Um, of course, these histories should be told every day, and they are in some scenarios and in some places. But for the most part, you tend to have the public's attention for these 31 days. 31 days in October? Yep, 31 days. Um, and that's kind of it. And so it does, to me, feel like a little bit of a waste of time to spend that on African-American leaders when there is also the Black History Month of America in February. And we can we talk about them then um, or every other day. Uh, but I think we've got this kind of opportunity, shall we say, um, to really look into uh, women within Black Britain and showcase them highlight them celebrate them um and i think we should really utilize that and take it so that will be happening on twitter um today's person will of course be mary prince um yesterday's was mary seacole and we'll go from there some of them you might know some of them you might not know i'm going to try and also signpost where you can find out more information because this podcast and you know history on social media should always only be your starting point there's always so much more reading or documentary watching or conversations to be had following that and this podcast has never will never proclaim to be the be all and end all for any historical content um it is mostly a starting point for you to go off and, and learn more or research more or find out more about some of these incredible people events and moments that have all occurred within black britain and the caribbean so mary prince was born on the 1st of october 1788 and i say born that is what records have suggested that's not exactly accurate or we don't know if it's accurate because of the way that records were kept at that time she was an enslaved woman um, and and there was very little care 
um, into recording, you know, the birth and the life of, of an enslaved person. Um, and it's suggested that she might have died sometime after 1833. Again, very little is known about um, the kind of latter part of her life, and we'll get into why that is a bit later. But she was the first black woman to publish an autobiography of her experiences as an enslaved person in Britain. Mary was born in the colony of Bermuda to an enslaved family of African descent. Mary was under the care of her mother um, and her father was enslaved nearby as a sawyer um, to um, somebody called a Mr Trimmington who was a shipbuilder um, and by the time she was 12 years old she was sold when her mother Betsy passed away and she was sold along with her two sisters to an enslaver from Spanish Point who in her work identifies as Captain I, nothing else. Um, after being sold a number of times, and this is something that comes up a lot in her book, the fact that she was moved around the Caribbean so many times, passed around from one owner to the next, um, and this went on for many years. In one of the places uh, she worked, she was um, working in the salt ponds, and this was as a child, and she would have to be in the salt ponds up to her knees, and the salt ponds are like obviously salty water, essentially. Um, and that's kind of because that's how you do salt mining. Um, but you can imagine being without clothing or even with clothing on your legs in salt water for up to 17 hours a day um, because there was like a speed at which you needed to work um, in case the soil ruined the salt if it rained for too long. So you had to kind of get things done when you could and that would be really quickly. Um, you had to work long hours um, and they were enslaved anyway. So despite the fact that there were like should we say physical demands because of nature they would have been worked to the bone anyway um even if the physical demands of nature weren't there um men typically did the work of salt rakers um and they were in the ponds and they were exposed to the sun and the heat as well as the salt which would obviously erode at your skin and eat away at your legs and women tended to do the work of packaging the salt um and so Again, there's like a gendered experience of enslavement, which I'm sure you can probably imagine and know about. Um, and because of this, I find that, and we can see historically, a lot of the kind of early abolitionists and those that do the work um, in regards to the anti-slavery movement uh, tend to be men. And even the voices of the enslaved come from enslaved men. And so Mary Prince's biography really comes at an important point because she is the first black woman in Britain to be published writing about her experiences of enslavement, really changing the narrative and really actually asking people to think about, well, is this the way women should be treated? Um, there is obviously movements around feminism that really centre white women um, at a similar time and how, you know, women should be treated and you've got movements in America with the likes of Sojourner Truth in the 1850s asking well ain't I a woman and this kind of comes before that it comes about 20 years before that speech um, where Mary Prince is detailing her experiences as a woman and the horrific things she experiences because she is a woman that men would never have to experience only witness and so it's a very interesting gendered part of this story um, I would say and why it's so important that we think about women um, especially black women in these histories. Whilst Mary was being shipped about the Caribbean, um, she met Daniel James, who was a free carpenter through the Moravian church in Antigua, um, and she got married to him. However, she didn't have permission uh, from those that owned her at the time, um, so she was punished for 
her lack of obedience she was whipped she was beaten um and she was imprisoned and i think at this point i'll give a trigger warning that there'll be conversations about sexual violence um and further conversations about violence at this point so if this isn't the episode for you today then please feel free to pause and come back to it if you want to or not now she really does describe the real horrors um of enslavement that she experiences throughout her childhood witnessing what she is you know very much privy to and what she's uh, subjected to and what others around her are subjected to um and she talks about this a lot in her book um how did she come to write this book well in 1828 she's brought to london england as a servant um and she later escapes her enslaver here uh, after months of working for him and it's a man called john wood who's known as this sadistic white man from london who brings her um from antigua um, to England and Mary Prince runs away to a missionary group which then directs her to the anti-slavery society um, and we've spoken a little bit about on this podcast before if you haven't already listened um, Henry Box Brown and William and Ellen Craft who also fled uh, enslavement but they actually escaped their plantations in the US um, and ended up because of the 1850 fugitive slave law which meant that even if they fled to a free state they wouldn't be free or they wouldn't be um, allowed to be free essentially they could still be um, taken kidnapped and brought back to their owners and there was like a legal kind of statute that said that that is what should happen they were not protected by um, the fact that they were now in a free state and this meant for them and for other um, runaway enslaved people they would often try and leave America even though you know they had initially planned to set up shop in a free state with the support of the Underground Railroad and so in Britain you kind of have this moment and it's a little bit early at this point, the abolitionists I was speaking about that come from the US come in the kind of late 19th century um, after slavery in the British colonies has been abolished, but not in the US. So this kind of window between the 1830s and the early 1860s. Um, but we have Mary Prince who finds herself in Britain and really takes this opportunity to grab her freedom. She grabs it by the horns and she runs for it. Um, and this is where some of the early anti-slavery movements and campaigns are increasing and abolitionists kind of see the value in Mary Prince's story as an enslaved woman. Um, and she is uh, introduced to Susanna Strickland, who is essentially going to be the ghostwriter for her story. Now, it's not really... 100% clear whether Mary Prince was illiterate, although it would be maybe expected as she was an enslaved person and enslaved from birth. Um, they believe that she could read but not write. And so she dictated her story to Susanna and Susanna scribed it. Now, I'm assuming that Susanna Strickland being a poet, being of the anti-slavery movements and being within these kind of campaigns and also understanding the PR value of this story and what it could be used for to kind of push this movement on would have probably, um, what's the word, included, I'm not going to say embellishments, but maybe dramatised it in a way that it meant that it could be um, really pushed onto an audience that really tug at their sympathies for them to kind of get abolition done. Um, and that's not to say the things in this book are untrue or sensationalised at all, but it is to say this writing was done with a purpose. 
and that purpose was to persuade a British audience that slavery was morally wrong and that it should be abolished and that's exactly what it did. Now Susanna Strickland was um, a a lady, a young lady living with uh, Thomas Pringle who was the secretary of the Society for the Mitigation and Gradual Abolition of Slavery throughout the British Dominions aka the Anti-Slavery Society which ran from 1823 to 1838. Obviously a society like that doesn't need to run forever because once abolition is achieved then it becomes a little bit redundant um so Susanna Strickland works with Mary to write down her slave narrative um which is published as the history of Mary Prince in 1831 and as I said it's the first account of life of a black enslaved woman to be published in the UK um Mary Prince is often given the title of the first black woman to publish in the UK um but it it's it's many firsts that can't be taken away from But I think most importantly, it is in writing the account of a black enslaved woman. And that is, for me, one of the most important things um, about this and the fact that Mary Prince was able to have her story written down. Oftentimes, unless our stories, and us, I mean black women, unless our stories are literally written down and guarded and protected and looked after, they go forgotten. And that's the case with Mary Seacole. She was not the figure we see today, you know, wheeled out in every assembly in primary school. She's one of, she was voted, I think, in 2004 as one of the the greatest Black Britain. Um, You know, she is the person we look to. She's now been given, um, honoured with a Royal Mint coin. Um, Questionable as to whether that is actually a real honour or not. And she should be on the currency, the actual currency of this country, as opposed to just the Royal Mint coin, which will be special edition. Um, But despite that, We wouldn't really know her story in the way we do if we didn't have her autobiography. And this is the case a lot of the time. And I've said this many times before on this podcast. And it is part of the reason that I really like to look at the lives of black women in this country um, as a kind of historical focus. Because it is just so important. And oftentimes it is us that protect these stories ourselves. Until the rest of the world is ready to hear them. And ready to be receptive and to to honour the legacy of these um, remarkable trailblazing women. Mary Prince describes in the um, book, and I will be quoting, um, and I quote, Mothers could only weep and mourn over their children. They could not save them from cruel masters, from the whip, the rope and the cowskin. And already, I think, just with that initial quote um, that's taken from the history of Mary Prince, we can see she's already exploring and looking into the perspective of motherhood and mothers and their experiences Um, being enslaved having to give birth knowing that their children are going to be enslaved as well and potentially suffer a worse fate than them Um, there are abolitionists and former enslaved people that have written um, prior to Mary Prince the likes of a lad Equiano uh, who's living in England um, and publishes memoirs Um, but again her writing this as a woman from a woman's perspective brings in different narratives that we don't technically um, or we're not able to to really get from some of the other um, slave narratives. Not to say they are not important. They, of course, are important and valuable. But this is a different perspective. Um, another interesting way of looking at it is um, her story being one that is marked by acts of resistance, which is a thread that often comes out in the analysis of her work, um, because she really does, you know, shock in her stories um where she speaks out against those that own her um by talking back 
you know, by getting at them, by having something to say and being, not being passive in the way that um, enslaved people are often um, suggested to be. And there was an argument that, especially in the US, I'm not sure how common it was in um, British uh, enslavement and within the colonies, that enslaved people had no desire to necessarily be free because if they did, they would do something about it kind of thing. And uh, Kanye West, yep. Um, Something that's come up again later, but genuinely uh, at that time there was this idea that they were accepted enslaved people were accepting of their condition in slavery um because they would you know passively accept what was happening to them and these movements where you see uprisings rebellions you see escapes you see enslaved people um refusing to work you see enslaved women that are about to be mothers and pregnant committing infanticide killing their babies rather than having children that are also enslaved all of these acts of resistance which we don't really speak about so much when we think about abolition we think about the William Wilberforces um of the narrative and and the white people and the anti-slavery societies that worked to really change the British public's mind but actually it's these stories it's the life of Mary Prince that is able to get people's sympathies going you know Um, And women are often cut out of this. And I keep harping on about it, but it is just so true. Um, So back to the narrative. Um, There's another quote that I thought was quite important um, to kind of highlight this spirit of resistance that we can kind of see in Mary Prince that allows her to survive as well and also allows her to survive throughout her whole childhood, being passed around the Caribbean from owner to owner to Britain to then have the energy and the resolve to escape because plans of escape aren't easy you know you don't just get up one day and go you need a plan you need to know you're going you need to know who you can trust um and it was not many people you could trust as a a walking around as a black woman in britain in the 19th century you know um knowing that there were probably people looking for you because you were property and you were worth something and if you ran away you were no longer worth that and you weren't able to be cashed in for that So in the um, book, Mary speaks about um, a time where she argues with her master. And this is kind of where I was kind of referencing this like resistance she has. And this probably isn't one of the biggest examples of it, but I thought a good one, especially when we're talking about her life in England. And I quote, my master quarreled with me another time about one of our great washings, his wife having stirred him up to do so. He said he would compel me to do the whole of the washing given out to me. Or if I again refused, he would take a short course with me. He would either send me down to the brig of the river to carry me back to Antigua, or he would turn me at once out of doors and let me provide for myself. I said I would willingly go back if he would let me purchase my own freedom, but this enraged him more than all the rest. He cursed and swore at me dreadfully and said he would never sell my freedom if I wished to be free. I was free in England and I might go and try what freedom would do for me and be dead. My heart was very sore with this treatment, but I had to go on. I continued to do my work and did all I could to give satisfaction, but all would not do. In this extract, she's speaking specifically about um, her kind of time in England and she comes over and is really sick on the journey um, and struggles with the, the travel to England and then going from the heat of Antigua to the cold of England. And she notes that in 
Antigua you bathe in cold water or cool water and in England you bathe with hot water but because of her bones and her joints um, being really sore and uncomfortable from the journey and probably some kind of illnesses related to the hard labour she's literally done her whole life um, are flaring up on the journey and the cold doesn't help either um, and she's kind of apprehensive to be able to like bathe herself and to be in that hot water and um, is very fearful of that and she has to still go on and do all the housework and the domestic duties that um, the lady of the house and then her master uh, kind of tell her um, and demand that she do and thankfully some of the washerwomen um, that are in the kind of wash house take pity on her and help her with her washing loads but she's kind of saying look I've been overwhelmed this is too much and it's quite an interesting I think point to be proven and to understand this idea and this like spirit of resistance and constantly questioning the master and saying I want to go she said I want to go <laughs> sell me my freedom um and of course his response is anger and he's absolutely like no hell no you're not going anywhere um but she she obviously eventually does go away but it kind of really nicely builds up to this point where she feels um she just needs to leave because the situation is just too difficult now Mary Prince's um publication in this story is very important um, because it challenges this argument for slavery, which I've spoken about a little bit prior. This idea that um, um, this idea that enslaved people are fine to be enslaved, they are happy, they don't want to be free. Um, but here we have all these instances of her resisting in different ways, and she actually ends the narrative with this quote: "All slaves want to be free." To be free is very sweet. I will say the truth to English people who may read this history. I have been a slave myself. I know what slaves feel. I can tell by myself what other slaves feel and by what they have told me. The man that says slaves be quite happy in slavery, that they don't want to be free. That man is either ignorant or a lying person. And again, she just shoots straight for the, straight for the chest with that one um, and calls out, whoever is professing this argument that enslaved people are happy to be enslaved is absolute bull um and so that is kind of the way that the publication is wrapped up and it was reprinted twice um in its kind of earliest days of publication which shows its popularity um because it was the first of its kind um and also because of the way it really uh, seriously detailed some of the horrors and abuses that Mary Prince went through herself and also witnessed and I said there would I did a trigger warning earlier in the episode but as I've been speaking I haven't actually really wanted to go into some of the horrors um that she she witnessed um she witnesses in very graphic terms and she details it in very graphic terms what it's like to be beaten to a pulp and I quote um she refers to the rape of women um she also talks about the fact that it's actually not the worst thing which is crazy to me it's not the worst thing about being um enslaved is being whipped or the pain of the boils from standing in the salt water um but actually being exposed to the indecency of her masters um and she says it's worse than all the beatings and all the physical pain being meted out to her um but she says being forced to see these men naked while she bathed them and the kind of intimate relation that she had to have with them 
personally and physically being around them in this kind of indecent way. Um, it's like this, the violence of this um, act, even though it's not outright physically violent, um, there is just an indecency about it. She's a child doing things like this and it is just despicable and disgusting and I'm I am happy as as graphic and as horrible it is to think about that now the way that she explains that um and the way she's able to to detail that um to really push for abolition and also to properly detail what was happening to her um because if it wasn't for slave narratives we really wouldn't get an accurate picture because we would be literally be relying on former slave masters to tell us what happened and you and i both know that the sanitized version would all would would be all we know and in some ways the sanitized version is a, a very loud version of enslavement um that often gets uh, portrayed and it's definitely not the case and as much as i don't like films that depict slavery um i think they oftentimes do a good job of of detailing just how graphic and how how violent and how awful the experiences of enslaved people would have been we know very little about the end of mary prince's life what happened after she had that book published because obviously she stops writing you know she writes up until a certain point where she's writing this book in england and then there are obviously no more narratives that come out about her life and very little is known um, there are no images of her either, so any imagery we have of her is what we could assume she might have looked like, um, but it is known that she was rejected um, by the church in London, the Moravian church, who, who are the church that actually um, kind of bring, not bring her story to life in a sense, but also are part of that process, shall we say. Um, they turn their back on, on Mary Prince and renounce her, actually. Um, so it's unknown actually whether she lived to see the abolition of slavery. The date that I have is around 1833 for her death, which means she may or may not have seen the abolition of uh, slavery. Uh, 1834 would have been kind of the Emancipation Act, but 1833 I think is where, you know, the point where they're getting quite close. Whether she lived longer than that and she did see it um, would have, have been something quite beautiful, but if not, then also quite quite sad and quite heartbreaking. Um her life was a narrative of martyrdom and sacrifice um, and it's been described as that for a bigger cause and that bigger cause being the freedom of her fellow enslaved African people that were stuck in the colonies or working in Britain like herself. And again, I just think it's very important that we started Black History Month with the story of Mary Prince. It's one I've been wanting to do for a really long time, actually, um, on this podcast. I say that a lot. There are so many episode possibilities for this podcast. Someone asked me what I'm going to do when I run out of history. And, well, <laughs> the thing about history, it's being made every day, so we're never going to run out. But even then, there are just so many points of history that we just don't know about and we haven't thought about so much. And so many areas of history that I can't even talk about myself because I don't have the expertise. But we'll be bringing those people um to do that work and to to speak to you on this podcast soon so thank you so much for listening to this week's episode all about mary prince please do get involved with black history month in any way that you see fit there are so many talks going on there's events there's books launches screenings everything you name it they're happening and as much as it's annoying that it's all being crammed into one month because there's literally some days this month where there's about four events I would love to go to all on the same day at the same time and I'm thinking if we just spread this over the 12 months of the year we wouldn't have this problem but I am doing um some black history month things this month I think the 10th of October I think it's 6 p.m 
I'm doing a talk uh, for Wandsworth Library. It's going to be on Zoom, so if you're not in Wandsworth, you can still go there. It's not going to be in, in physical at all. I will be in my house. Um, so that will be about um, Caribbean women in Britain in during World War II and in the post-war era. I'll be talking through some of my work that I've done in my master's research. And that will be, yep, going on. That's a free event, so you can sign up for that. I'll put a, a link for tickets in the bio. And then I'm also going to be hosting um, the book launch of A.S. Francis's book on Gerlin Bean, who is a Jamaican-born activist. And uh, activist is just such a generalised term that I use to describe people that are, are do, were doing any kind of good work. Um, but she worked within education, she worked within um, a council, she worked with young people, with women across different organisations in London. Um, and she was just an incredible uh, person and one that we don't, again, know much about. And in the, within this theme of saluting the sisters, it's kind of perfect that this book is coming out, but it's part of Lawrence Wishart's uh, Radical Black Women series. Um, and the talk will be obviously with the author, A. Francis, um, Stella Dadsey, um, myself and Kelly Foster. So again, I'll put a link for tickets in the bio. Um, there's also going to be a launch uh, on the 16th of October um, for Many Struggles, um, New Histories of African and Caribbean People in Britain, organised by Olivia Wyatt with Professor Hakeem Addy, Rebecca Adams, Perry Blankson, Ray Bowen and Hannah Francis, two of whom have been guests on this podcast before, um, who I'm sure if you enjoyed um, their work and their episodes that we did, you will enjoy the launch. That's going to be at Queen Mary University of London and I'll put ticket links for that in the bio as well. Um, but yeah, do engage, get involved with Black History Month this year and have a wonderful rest of the week. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Goodbye.